0: This is the Ebon Hawk Podcast.
1: Hello there, welcome to the Ebonhawk, Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Night Hill Republic. Today we'll recap the swoop race and beginning of the end of Terrace. So, a spoiler alert for the Night's Old Republic series and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is where the Bad Robot Productions begins. So, uh, take us away, Cassia, for our first topic.
0: Okay, so today we are going to be recapping the swoop race where we left off up to going into the the sith base so yeah it's interesting because i feel like terrace takes up a whole lot of the game but it'll just be interesting to like see how much a movie or adaptation stays there so where we last left off you were going to explode you have a swoop bike that's been kind of souped up with a accelerator. You stole it from the Black Volkers, and you don't know how many rides this swoop bike has in it. That's why you have to win in just a few amount of times, because if you do go too many runs, it it does explode. The rules of swoop racing are pretty straightforward. You just avoid debris in the lanes and you hit the accelerators and switch engines before you overheat. And one interesting thing is like, you can see Bastila in a cage in a ridiculous outfit and you're just like, that's cool, she's there. I'm going to just race, you know? And it's kind of funny because when you just walk up to everyone, everyone's like, you're a rookie. They drive that fact home so many times and Apparently the time to beat is 38.43 seconds, and it's like, okay. And keep in mind, like, when I was playing, this is my first playthrough since, like, middle school, I think, or high school. And my time was 31.03, so I was very happy with myself. And then someone got a better time than me, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. And then I did it again, and I got 36 seconds, and I was like, seriously? How, how did I get worse? But then I kind of just was like, okay, just be calm. You know how to do this. You've done it before. And then I got 26 seconds, and I won. So then you win, and then Brezhik, who is the leader of the Black Volkers, he has a familiar voice actor, but I'm just not sure who it is. So if you know who it is, uh, let me know. Because I'm like, I've heard this guy before. So Brezhik, he's like, this person cheated. And it's like, you're a liar. Even though you're kind of telling the truth. It's just I stole the cheating method from you. So does that really make me a cheater? You know, but then Bastila uses this time to break out. And... She uses a double-bladed sword. There's a full-on gang war. And then all the all the black vulgers are dead. Brezhik's dead. And just as Bastil is saying, maybe they'll think twice about taking on a Jedi. She sees you and she's about to be like, I recognize you. You are. And then she says, a soldier. Which kind of feels like a cover, on the Ender Spire. That's how I recognize you, and you have the dialogue option to say, "I'm blank. I'm here to save you." That's a callback to A New Hope, you know. But I, I kind of think they kind of saved each other in that instance, but they will always argue about who saved who. And she figures out that Carth is alive, and she's very happy. And They're kind of like reunited uh, work buddies, I I would say. And then you have another vision of Bastila where she says you cannot win Revan and you kind of see more of the strike team behind her. Then you wake up and you're in the apartment and Bastila's kind of like, whoa, have you not like made a plan to get off the planet yet? Like, what have you guys been doing? And... Karth and Revan are kind of like, we've been trying to rescue you. And and Basil is like, okay, okay, I'm just gonna take over this group project now and make sure it's getting off to a good start, you know? And she's also like, sorry, sometimes I'm rash as a Jedi. The council doesn't like that, you know? But I kind of got a little bit of a Rex and Ahsoka vibe. Karth is Rex and Ahsoka is kind of like Bastla to an extent like where Rex kind of tells Ahsoka that experience outranks everything like do you kind of do you kind of see that
1: I don't know I I can see a little bit of Bastla being kind of like Ahsoka but I think Ahsoka is like a huge outlier in in that aspect where Bastila isn't quite like that back backpedaling a little bit Ahsoka has a lot in common with Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't think that Bastila quite is that far, but maybe it has like a, a little bit of kind of like those naive tendencies.
0: It's not like I see Ahsoka and Bastila are like exactly alike, but it's just like the Karth and Bastila dynamic where they're kind of like, where you kind of meet them at the beginning of Knights of the Old Republic. It, it's kind of more like they're forced like to work With each other due to the circumstances they're kind of just like work acquaintances and Ahsoka is kind of a little bit uppity as a Jedi and kind of thinks like she knows how to run the group project better than everyone and is just gonna take over you know and Karth is kind of like the Rex where who has experience like fighting the war so he kind of knows how to deal with people like and work together as a team. Bastila is smart and talented, but she just kind of doesn't have the, I would say, social skills and like kind of like the leadership experience. So that's kind of how I see that dynamic. Revan can act as a mediator, but it would be kind of interesting to see this trio on screen. And we've kind of talked about our Revan fan casts and our Karth and Bastila fancasts, but It'd be cool. It'd be cool to see these personalities at work because I think they would bounce off of each other and there would be like some conflict and it would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I know with my playthrough, I I definitely kind of got Karth uh, alienated. Where, yeah, I would have Revan. Well, Revan kind of just did his own thing. So what, what ended up happening was my. Uh, Bastila would end up kind of being the mediator on like my playthrough because I was pretty extreme and Karth was like a dead weight kind of and so like my playthrough kind of had a little bit of that butting heads.
0: Because you have that vision Bastila kind of senses you have a vision as well you can kind of tell that in the back of her mind she's like kind of going oh crap oh crap oh crap oh crap. Uh, how am I gonna kind of lie my way out of this one? This isn't supposed to be happening. We weren't really supposed to be talking this much. And she just kind of has to be like, the Masters and Council on Dantooine will know what to do if you are Force sensitive. And any coincidences or patterns you see, it's due to the Force, and the Force is unknowable. So just don't question. Like what's that?
1: What's that complex of the? Uh... It goes it goes either way, but like of the...
0: Oh, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. I don't quite think that's what's going on here, but, I mean, Star Wars is a bit more of like a fairy tale that plays with psychology, but not necessarily psychological realism. But, yeah. <laughs> Once you get out of the apartment, there's an alien that comes up to you, and he says, hey, you're the person who won the swoop race. Candorous Ordo is looking for you. So you go to the Upper City Cantina, and Candorous Ordo says, hey, you're someone who knows how to get results. I'm someone who's working for David Kang. He's not paying me what he promised me. So what I want to do is get off of this rock and break the Sith quarantine, and... Karth is kind of like, ooh, I don't feel good about this. Bastel's like, I don't sense any deception from him. So you kind of just listen to what Kandris has to say. And he says, I want to steal the Sith launch codes, or else if you try to leave in a ship, you'll be destroyed by guns. He says, after you do that, I'll provide Davik's flagship, the Ebonhawk, which I don't know. I've never heard of that. Is it... How do you pronounce it? Is it Ebon? The Ebon Hawk? I don't know. It's a dumb name.
1: The the Ebon Hawk?
0: Yeah. It's probably Ebon Hawk.
1: Ebon Hawk? We'll
0: never hear about it again. So...
1: The the Ebon Hawk?
0: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Davik's Flagship.
1: One of those. One
0: of those ships, you know. And... Kander's tells you... To get into the Sith base, to get past the security systems, you're going to need an astromech. Janice Null, go to her shop, she'll have an astromech that can get you into the Sith base. And Canderous is recognizable, so he can't do the Sith base thing on his own, but I guess that's good for you, because then you're able to get off the planet. And Candras tells you, I'll let you do that, I'll let you do the work I need, and I'll just be chilling at Jvar's cantina once you have the codes and it's like okay that's great maybe when you arrive down there he'll buy appetizers like you know maybe he'll get chips and guacamole or something so as you're kind of walking around Bastl and Karth are kind of talking to each other and Karth is like how did you how did you how did you get captured by the Black Volkers and Bastl's like well I was exhausted you know my battle meditation made it so most of the crew was able to get off you know and then he's like but but really like how how did they capture you I've seen Jedi with lightsabers and she's kind of like ah the lightsaber you know was misplaced and in an adaptation I'm just gonna say this now that I I think it kind of breaks Star Wars rules but it would be hilarious if, like, while Karth and Basil are talking, you see a flashback and it's kind of, like, you see, like, Basil kind of, like, stumbling out, like, and it's, like, out of the escape pod, kind of, like, woozy, you know? And then it's, like, where's my lightsaber? And then it's just, like, she's tasered by a Black Volker. Like, I think that could be funny. So, it might...
1: She's dead. She's just sleepy. She needed to take a nap, and then she wakes up and all her stuff's stolen, and she's in a cage.
0: Yeah. I mean, it happens to the best of us. So, Karth says, okay, okay, like, maybe just don't mention it to your Jedi Council. And she's like, agreed. And Karth asks her, like, five years ago, when Revan and Malak decided to fight against the Mandalorians, like, did you ever think, like, you should have joined them? And she's like, oh, I, I was an apprentice then. My battle meditation hadn't manifested itself yet. And she, when you kind of listen to Bastila, she's kind of just like, when you listen to her, she's always kind of like talking about the Jedi Council and like how they are so wise and like know everything. And I got this comment from Paulino Medici, who says like Bastila's arc is the evolution of a, a character from a person blindly faithful to the Jedi Code and the Jedi Council to a person who rethinks everything. And I think that's a great comment, and it's very true, because I think Bastila most overtly kind of has, like, an identity quest. Like, she's trying to find who she is in the Force, you know? And you kind of just see that she's kind of just spouting dogma where you kind of don't quite see her as an Anakin I can kind of I can kind of see that but what i think is like she's kind of more of an Anakin type but she kind of covers it up by being a teacher's pet and trying to be like an Obi-Wan on the outside so that's kind of how i i see Bastila
1: if anything it's it's like before Anakin started to get like tired of rejection so like before You know, before things like Mace Windu declining his seat as a master on the council and uh, kind of like the long, grueling of training that probably was a lot longer than most other Jedi padawans and apprentices.
0: So, you kind of see that tension where, I mean, the game is just beginning, but she just, she's always like talking about how she looks up to the Jedi Council, but as the game progresses, you kind of, like, see how maybe it's kind of, like, be like a, a boss and an employee where, like, the employee is trying to progress, but the boss is kind of holding them back, saying, you're not ready, you're not ready, and, like, at a certain point, like, the employee is probably ready, but, the like, the boss doesn't trust them, you know? So sometimes that, like, leads to, like, burnout, you know? Or falling to the dark side.
1: Foreshadowing at its finest. Yeah.
0: So, like, it's really not a surprise if anyone's going to turn to the dark side it's going to be Bastila. But Karth and Bastila's conversation, it does kind of bring some questions to mind. Like, were Revan and Malak always going to turn to the dark side? You know? Like, if the Jedi Council were with them, if they were supported, would they have had, like, more support and not feel... Like, they had to turn their back on being a Jedi, you know? Like, I'm not necessarily taking the old Republic into account, but it's kind of like the Mandalorian Wars. I would definitely say they're more, like, in line with World War II, where it's, like, it's a war that, like, you never really want to fight any war, but it's probably more necessary than, like, a war like Vietnam, you know? And maybe the Jedi Council did have their reasons because they'd just, like, been involved in Sith Wars and they lost a lot of Jedi to the dark side and, like, some Jedi just, like, died, you know? And they're just... It was a period of, like, where they're trying to, like, redefine who they are so that didn't happen again. So they were being cautious because people do follow fall to the dark side fighting wars and that is what happened but sometimes those questions that you can't really answer but just think about like can be can be interesting sometimes it's fun to like have those conversations that like like develop characterizations and you kind of like get to know the group dynamics and it helps build the world it's nice but as you kind of like, have Bastlet in your group, Uh, you kind of see that her stats aren't the best, and I kind of think that's just so, like, she's not so overpowered on Terrace, but I'm kind of confused as to why she's not a counselor, because I think it would make more sense for Jolie to be a sentinel and her a counselor, because she has battle meditation, but maybe... Maybe part of it is, like, she's very close to her treasure-hunting father. So maybe, like, her becoming a sentinel was kind of, like, keeping a connection there. And I guess battle meditation can happen to anyone, you know? But if you do look in the KOTOR stat book, she does have a few levels of, like, Consular in her. But yeah, yellow lightsabers are cool, and more people should have them.
1: I'm a counselor. I'm all about that green.
0: I'm about yellow, and sometimes blue. One thing before we went into the Sith base, there was a guy named Gorton Kolu, and he's talking about a great plague-sweeping terrace. and I'm like, cool. Well, that's not topical at all, you know, but... He was talking about a metaphorical plague, not a literal plague Because I guess he doesn't like aliens and he was starting the anti alien league. So I was just like, that's stupid. So don't do that. You
1: you could really take that reference in a few different ways because, yeah, there was kind of like the racist dynamic of terrorists, but then there was the rat gold problem that was kind of spreading, at least everywhere in the lower levels. But, you know, it's possible that it could make its way up.
0: But when you listen to him, he's not talking about the Rackle Plague. Like, he's talking about, like, he's like, oh, the Rodians, the the Ithurians, the Twi'leks, they're sweeping across Terrace. So it's like he's not talking about the Rackle Plagues. It's just more, like, aliens he doesn't like. Don't do that. The more you dig around Terrace, you're kind of like, wow, nothing's really changed. (laughs) So, but yeah, when you go into Janice Null's shop, uh, she sells you uh t3 m4 and t3 m4 is not much of a character in kotor 1 i would say he becomes more of a character in kotor 2
1: don't forget she sells you t um the uh, the other unit and then and then you yell at her and be like this one has a bad motivator look and then you get the other one
0: yeah that was during this playthrough i wasn't given t3 hate like T3H8. I wasn't given him. I was just given T3M4 off the bat. So I haggled the price down from 2000 to 1500 credits. And yeah, I was just given uh, T3M4, and you just saw like T3H8, and it's like he's broken. So I don't know what happened in that playthrough, but that parallel didn't happen with. A new hope, but yeah, it it was weird. So you get to...
1: I think if you you go for the droid early, it does that sequence.
0: Oh, okay. So then you go to the Sith military base, and it just kind of, when you get there, the Sith base music starts playing, and it brought me back to episode 32 when we were kind of talking about the music. It really... Sounds a whole lot like the Emperor's theme, so it's a cool detail. Having a character with a lightsaber is awesome, and a medium-length story short, you go in, you beat up a bad robot, and you also defeat a Sith Governor, and then you get the codes, and just a word of warning... Just make sure you go to the armory before any of your big fights. Take down the turrets in the elevator. And medpacks do not work on droids. Just in case you're wondering, they don't. And up your demolitions on T3. They'll come in handy. And that's how you get out. So you get in, you get out, you have the codes. And in our next episode, we will recap the end of Terrace. We'll get to the Ovenhawk. And we'll leave and it'll be awesome. So let's just take a quick break and we'll talk about how we would handle this section cinematically. We just wanted to take a quick break to ask you, our listeners, to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and to leave us a five-star review. And although we do not always agree, Your Honor, our two great societies have always lived in peace listener, and podcasters. If we do not act quickly, all will be lost forever. I ask you to help us. No, I beg you to help us. Please give us a five-star review if you think we've deserved it. Our fate is in your hands. And then I can't really do the boss-nass thing, so (laughs) we'll just end that Padme Amidala from the Phantom Menace quote there, and we'll just... Move on to our next topic.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. So um, now that we've gone over just kind of the last little bit of the terrace Sith base, we, uh, we're we going to talk about how we would handle this uh, cinematically. So, Cassia, what, where would you go from here cinematically?
0: Um. So where we last left off, we were kind of talking about the race. Maybe Karth could be the one initially driving the swoop. And then maybe Revan is the one who, when a fight, when a gang war breaks out, he could be the one fighting. And that way, like, Karth and Revan both have something to do. Or maybe, like, the swoop does something. Or maybe Karth is injured. So Revan has to finish the race. So I was kind of thinking, like, that could happen. It could up the stakes, you know. And just have a swoop race. It could be fun. But I was kind of thinking that I wouldn't have just Bastila in a cage, in a skimpy outfit, like, right there. And you're like, cool, there's Bastila in a cage, I'm just going to race this race. I was kind of thinking, like, of Shattered, the Clone Wars episode from the Siege of Mandalore arc, when Bo-Katan mentioned that there was a Mandalorian vault that was capable of imprisoning Force wielders, and she says it's a relic of a bygone era when Mandalorians had reason to imprison you, force wielding maniacs. So, uh, when I was watching Clone Wars, it kind of brought to mind like the neural dampeners that kind of serve that purpose in Kotor. But I was kind of thinking, like, it would kind of make sense after a Mandalorian war that maybe a gang has access to one a force vault. And just have Bastila in her normal outfit, you know, like, just maybe kept in there. And then, like, she, it's revealed, like, at the end of the race, like, she's the prize. And then Brezhik's like, no, I have her, and we're just gonna... Now that you guys are all in one place, you've hidden back, I'm gonna end you once and for all. And then, like, the fight breaks out, and then Bastila can be broken out, and then they... You know, Revan and Bastila save each other and Karth is there, and that's how she could break out. And then I would probably just maybe combine the Sith base and getting the Ebon Hawk. Or maybe just like not deal with the Sith base and just get once you once Bastila joins your group, I think the faster you're off terrace, the better. Just like to keep the story going, you know? And yeah I think that's how I would handle that section cinematically,
1: yeah I'd have to agree with probably skipping a lot of the Sith base, but just the whole terrace sequences and uh get the swoop race kind of have that be not like the climactic moment and then them like shooting or fighting their way to the Evan Hawk and then and then leaving Terrace I think would probably work the best,
0: yeah. And maybe, like, when you kind of bump into Canderous on your quest, maybe they, maybe Canderous and Revan could, like, come to an understanding, like, after this race, if I win, you're going to help me off. I'll help you get off, you know, like, just to kind of, like, streamline it as much as possible, I think. Because you don't want to feel like, wow, we've spent three-fourths of this movie on Terrace, like... The audience sometimes gets bored, you know? And I think you want to see the character become a Jedi. Like, you're not meant to stay on Terrace, you know? So that's how I'd handle it. But probably our next episode, we'll we'll ask our listeners, like, how much a Terrace they would want to see. Like, if it were a movie or a show. I think, like, once Bastla joins the Ebon Hawk group chat, like, you want to... There's not much reason to stay on Terrace. It's kind of just like dilly-dallying, you know? And to an extent, like, all of Terrace sometimes feels like dilly-dallying because you're not quite a Jedi and you're not fulfilling your quest, you know? So... But I think it does help you kind of establish some of the world building and the stakes and the characterization, so you want some of it, but you don't need to feel like... I think the highest level you can get on Terrace is like level 9? But yeah, you don't need to. In our next episode, we're gonna get off Terrace, so don't worry.
1: All right, well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're gonna talk about the Legacy Savers. Recently, and we uh, we posted this on Instagram. There was a uh, a, a poll going on for uh, a an upcoming release for a new Legacy lightsaber. So this is just found at the uh, Disney Parks blog.
0: It'll be sold at Galaxy's oh. Edge.
1: Oh, have they have they declared the winner yet?
0: Um, they haven't projected out of the poll who's going to win yet. But I would be very surprised if. Kalkestis's hilt doesn't win.
1: Kind of the new, the new design, the new, the new, uh, the new hype, I guess. Um, I've seen both Saber Forge and Ultra Sabers release a uh, Kalkestis lightsaber hilt, and now, now uh, Disney's getting in on it too.
0: Yeah, but I think it would be pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool that Disney is putting on. They're hosting a vote for different sabers to be sold at Doc Undars, and some of the other hilts featured in this vote, you have Anakin Skywalker, the hilt from Attack of the Clones, which I'm very nostalgic for, because my first like durable, you know, lightsaber that I was given as a kid was the Anakin Skywalker hilt from Attack of the Clones, you know? And then there's the Qui-Gon Jinn, which is actually in second place. It's just a very nice design. I'm surprised it wasn't made legacy hilt already. And then the Ezra Bridger and Kanan Jarrus from Star Wars Rebels. Their hilts are in consideration too. But it definitely looks like Cal Kestis is in the lead. And then there's also Lord Korvax's hilt from Vader Immortal in the running so six saber hilts are in consideration but it looks like cal kestis is going to win
1: i'm just gonna say i'm a little disappointed in those who voted that i think qui-gon should have totally won but you know whatever
0: i think it's just like jedi fallen order is very popular and it's the most recent i would say I kind of think we're going to get some Qui-Gon mentions and maybe an appearance in a Kenobi spinoff, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe once that happens, people will start to feel the love for Qui-Gon more and his hilt will end up being offered. So
1: I, I know you're not much into Easter eggs, but I hope in the Kenobi series we do see Qui-Gon's hilt like sitting in a drawer or something in obi-wan's home
0: yeah i mean it could make sense like that's where luke gets his green crystal from it would be kind of cool continuity i would say because i think Mm -hmm. anakin before he created his own saber he actually used qui-gon's hilt so it would be kind of a nice connection i think but yeah um I kind of wonder, like looking at the Lord Corvax saber, that's the one I personally voted for. After I after I voted, I was kind of thinking, like, actually, is that safe to offer at a theme park? Because it's kind of like a wine opener on the top, and then you have like a then you have like a pickaxe on the side. So, I'm kind of like, would that even fit in the Like lightsaber holders they give you, you know, at the park. So I was kind of thinking about it, and some of the High Republic hilts kind of look a little bit more like broadsword hilts. So I was kind of wondering if in the future are they gonna sell like maybe Dooku's? How do they sell sabers like Kylo Ren's, you know, or that kind of has that like cross guard on it or like lord corvax's like would you have to have a special bag to carry it in or would they kind of modify it like so it can like hold the like the light tube in it kind of play with the dimensions but kind of keep them intact for the most part and
1: they might have to disassemble it and uh because the hilt would probably have to be in a box and the blade would be in a sleeve
0: Oh um when you go to the park uh when i put my hilt together you have a hilt and then you have the light tube and they give you like a a bag either if you get a blade like Lord Corvax's if it were ever to be sold or like Count Dooku's you know where it kind of has like a little blade on top of a curved hilt you know like would they would you have to just send it to your house or would they give you a special bag, or what? But I was also looking kinda like at the Cal Kestis, uh at the bottom of his blade, it's kinda broken. And the Canon Juris has like a little bit of a pin on the bottom like, and the Lord Corvax is basically just a pickaxe, like I said, with a wine opener on it. So I'm kinda like, would those be safety hazards? How do you think they would like, if they were to be sold like, would they kind of just like make the calcestis, like a little less scrappy? Like how how do you think they would handle that?
1: Well, I know some of the hilts, they don't they don't come in like the full sleeve, they come with in like a special box. And so kind of kind of with what I was saying before, it's possible that they would just give it to you in two pieces where they put the hilt in the box and then they have the blade and it's in that sleeve, that shoulder sleeve. And uh, and that's probably what they would do or or it's something that you would just order off of a catalog and then order to ship home. But yeah, I just think it like it's it's not a very safe built design, something that like technically that Disney could be held liable for d- the design choice, but I mean, if someone tripped
0: on the Lord Corvax one, the way it looks in that picture, I'm like, um, that could be dangerous, you know, and I could be more, more so
1: dangerous without the blade in place than with the blade in place, I think. But still,
0: yeah, I mean, I voted for the Lord Corvax one, but then I was kind of thinking about logistically, how would that work, you know? Um, Yeah,
1: while you were talking, by the way, I opened up all of my different devices and voted Qui-Gon just to spite everyone.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: 12 times.
0: Oh, boy. Um, Like,
1: in the last 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. I think this round, Cal Kestis is going to win, but Qui-Gon is definitely, you know, in second place. So, I think we'll see these sabers in the future, but it's an interesting way to get fans engaged, I would say.
1: All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Ebon Hawk podcast. Cassie, why don't you get started with our um, plugs?
0: All right. So you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk podcast. If you hit the link in our bio, that holds the best link where you can find our podcast on any platform. And speaking of platforms, the Eben Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out immensely. And our email is ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. You can email us your comments, questions, and business inquiries.
1: And then you can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Um, just by searching Code and Bond. Uh With uh, Twitch, just make sure to follow the Twitter for when I tweet out to go live, but typically those are Thursday evenings. And uh, for those that um, checked in last Thursday, we uh, we had a little bit of fun with No Man's Sky, so um, that was that was good there. And then our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman, and he can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been the Evan Hawk Podcast. May the Force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.